you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined by two heroes on my right, Chris Wessling, and on my center area, Mark Sessler. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great. How are you, Wes? Couldn't be better. Wes back in the studio. We called down to him. It was kind of depressing uh, doing the phone call down, but now he's back in the big chair. It feels good, doesn't it, Wes? I couldn't. This is... It's been a long time coming. It's been three weeks now. Yes. Um, a couple... Uh, we have to do a couple bits of housekeeping just to get going number one mark sessler tell us about itunes itunes so after a long odyssey in the abyss where we floated essentially (laughs) nowhere on the internet and we had you know it was nice to finally realize that there are some people out there that actually faithfully listen to the show yes and we're pinging us individually on twitter guys help me out here you're from the nfl you should easily have a show how do i find it we had no answers but we do now we have an itunes uh, page Built around the show, an RSS feed clicked in. Wilk, what's the? Uh, do we give them the address? We just, we just. How do we get? Them how do you it? access? I think the it? easiest yeah. way is NFL.com/slash/podcast. We're right on there at the bottom of that page, since we're the the most recent ones. We get put at the bottom. Right. Uh, and there's a nice subscribe button on there. You can sc- subscribe through iTunes. Uh, or any number of other podcast listening devices. Excellent. That is great news. Yeah, there was a time where the previous um, iteration of this podcast, the ATL Debate Club, could only be found on Netscape if you plugged in with a modem right. and then like you know wished really hard. <laughs> it would somehow <laughs> pop up in your like AOL mailbox. But now you have many options, so that's great. Also, we on Monday we spoke about uh, the first subscriber to on iTunes to um, – the ATL podcast would get a 2007 Tennessee Titans media guide with Vince Young on the cover and also a Mylar balloon um, for the Houston Texans. That winner is Scott Prisbolinski or Prisbolinski. I apologize if it's uh, mispronounced there, but you are the winner. You are the first to subscribe. And uh, we don't have that Texans Mylar balloon, but 
Wes is going to volunteer and give up one of his Cincinnati Bengals Mylar balloons that were given away in a swag giveaway at the newsroom. Does the average person know what a Mylar balloon is? <laughs> I don't even I don't know, know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but listen, that's what's coming. So, Scott, if you are listening, and this will be a good test if you're actually a fan, uh, hit me up on Twitter, and we will get to you your prize. Um, all right, coming up today. First of all, Greg Rosenthal, our boss, is in Canton at the Hall of Fame. We will talk to him on Friday for the uh, podcast. But coming up today, we have um, Pro Bowl. There was a big announcement. Serious changes there. Um, we're going to talk some Percy Harvin, uh, who obviously is under the knife for uh, this hip surgery. He's going to be out potentially until Thanksgiving. But I think uh, where we want to start is the biggest news of today. Uh, Riley Cooper, the Eagles wide receiver, who we just spoke about on Monday as a guy that was potentially going to have to make the leap now that Jeremy Macklin is done. He said some pretty stupid things. Wes? He did say some stupid things. Uh, I feel like if we talk about that, there's going to be a hook coming out of the wall to kind of <laughs> take me out of my chair if we talk about race in America. <laughs> it can't be done. There are there are people who make a living being offended, so I we have to be careful what we say. Well, I mean, listen, Cooper, what he did was legitimately offensive. He he apparently he was at a Kenny Chesney concert, which is offensive to start with, and uh, he made a, a racial slur towards a African American security guard. Of course, it's caught on camera, and of course, it surfaces quickly. Um, he was fined by the team. Every all the you know statements came out, you know, uh, deriding him, and he came out now. Well, it's in, in, the Eagles in general, and I, I agree with Greg's assessment on Saturday that the Eagles have a deep skill position group at wide receiver. Yes, they do, but nobody's mistaking Riley Cooper for, you know, the next fantastic possession receiver, a guy who's going to burn you down the edge. He's an average receiver at best, and he's put himself in a bad position because he's certainly no one that general population's rooting for when they're watching an Eagles game at this point, although we forget about things in, what, 12 days? Yeah, well, this one is going to be a little tougher to forget about, I would think, for his teammates. Uh, who, you know, many of them are African-American. Apparently, you know, right before we came upstairs to do the podcast, uh, we had gotten some word that, uh, you know, some teammates are now speaking out saying that he did address the team and they're willing to move forward from it. Uh, but it's going to be a tough spot, and I also think it's uh, something to keep an eye out is Chip Kelly here. This has been a tough few days for uh, the new coach who is dealing with the Macklin and the restructuring that goes with that uh, after Jeremy Macklin blew out the ACL, and now he has to – you know, he's dealing with some internal strife in the locker room. That's going to be a challenge. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Macklin as being Chip Kelly's first sort of big test. And, well, welcome to the NFL, because I think every one of these coaches, it's like we're so new into the season that whoever gets hit with the big injury or the big issue inside the locker room, it's like, uh uh-oh, tough for Doug Marone or tough for Chip Kelly to deal with situation A or B. Kelly's going to deal with this you know, week to week in Philadelphia. Right, and it'll be interesting to check out Twitter in the next day or so because, yes, I do think the story will go away pretty quickly, but right now it's what everyone wants to talk about. Marcus Vick, uh, who I call the Frank Stallone of the NFL, <laughs> Mike Fair. Vick's brother, uh, he came out and put, like, a really meager amount of money as a bounty on $1,000, yeah, I believe which, it was. For yeah. literally when an NFL player sneezes, $1,000 comes out of his nose. So I don't think, A, the money's going to entice him, and B, anybody would take him up on the offer anyway. So you have that type of idiocy floating around. It's just kind of like a stupid, ugly thing that would be best that we all kind of move past. So we're going to move past it on the ATL podcast. Very good. Transition. Uh, let's talk about the Pro Bowl. 
um, Wes, you wrote our – I did the news piece that gave kind of more of the straightforward stuff that's going down. They are now – they're eliminating AFC versus NFC, which is kind of insane to me um, as someone who grew up watching the game, maybe not enjoying it that much, but watching it, and a bunch of other rules. Wes, you wrote an opinion piece on it. What are your thoughts about this game? The switches do not address the problem, which is fans are tired of watching a game where players are making quote-unquote business decisions – Deciding not to play hard, not to tackle, not to block as hard. Uh, I thought our buddy Dave Damashek had a very good uh, idea. Ditch the Pro Bowl altogether and go with the Loser Bowl, the two teams <laughs> with the worst records. Square off in the week between uh, the week before the Super Bowl, and the team that wins the game gets the number one overall draft pick. I mean, that's high stakes. Let's put something on the line here. Well, Who wouldn't watch that? And a lot of Damashek's ideas are actually secret, like sneaky, brilliant. And then when he, if he hears this, he'll come down to the newsroom a couple days from now like, oh, why has it got to be sneaky, brilliant? It can't just be brilliant. <laughs> but it, it really is because that's a game that would have real stakes, whereas the built-in issue with this Pro Bowl, you could do whatever you want. And Goodell is trying this. You can almost call it a Hail Mary to try to fix this game and, and make it relevant. Um, but ultimately it's kind of putting lipstick on a pig and it's hard to fix a game where the stakes aren't high, guys aren't going to go all out, and on top of it, it's after the Super Bowl, so it's like nobody cares. Well, that's a big mistake right there. I think they're trying to speed the game up. I I don't think that the agents or the league's best kick returners are going to be excited about the fact that they've been removed from the equation. But the issue I have that I think was a Pete Prisco that brought up initially what happens when you've got Chandler Jones making his first Pro Bowl this season, Dan's making the leap candidate, oh, yeah. squaring off on the team across from Tom Brady about to light up his quarterback? Is he going to go full force? Is he going to even go well, for that hit? That well, sounds like a lot of conflict. It's not going to happen because Tom will be in Argentina with Giselle chilling <laughs> out. Fair. Well, you've solved the entire coconut issue. drink. Yeah. So, you know. I'll let Prisco Chandler, know. But let's say, yeah, like you're saying, like how, how does a – hard-charging defender go after his own player, whether it's a, a running back or a quarterback or a wide receiver. It just it smacks of farce. But at the same time, I'm not going to kill the NFL. And I know a lot of people on Twitter, the first instinct was to rip it. Let's face it, like people weren't happy with how the game was. So what? You know, why not just shake it up and see if you can do something? Even if it's a short-term solution, at least you're trying something. Yeah, I give him points for creativity, but I haven't watched the Pro Bowl in years, and I doubt I'll watch it again unless I'm covering it. Well, and it's like, exactly we're we're the, the the gist of it is we're not excited about this game, and they've tried to refashion it. I don't think that if it's a complete dud again with these minor tweaks, that this is going to be the way it is for 15 years. This is a one-time look-see, and if they need to make more drastic changes, I mean, Goodell's talked openly about just canceling the thing. Right. Well, I don't think that's out of the equation if it fails again. Well. Give the NFL credit where it's due. Out of all the leagues, professional sports leagues, the NFL is not afraid to make changes to make the game better. That's, so you're right. If it doesn't work, something else will be tried. Someone is patting People, us on our head right now as we praise <laughs> our employers. A large, shadowy league figure, seven foot seven. Um, you know, and you know, if you look at other leagues, Major League Baseball, I think it was about ten years ago now, they started to get some uh, heat about their All Star game and what they did. They reacted by. Um, deciding whoever wins the game, American League versus National League, gets uh, home field advantage in the World Series. And that was also, uh, you know, laughed at and ridiculed by a lot of baseball fans. So it's almost like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. I don't know. I can't get on the league about this, but at the same time, uh, 
I'm not sure it's going to ultimately be good. All right, the other uh, big news uh, from yesterday, and this is probably the biggest news of the week, uh, Percy Harvin went to New York, flew to New York to get the second opinion on his hip. Turns out he's going to need surgery, and the surgery will take place on Thursday. They're saying three to four months. Uh, We're hearing maybe Thanksgiving is the time he comes back. Seattle Seahawks, obviously he was uh, potentially the final piece and them being uh, an NFC favorite to go to the Super Bowl. Wes, what do you think this means for the Seahawks? Are they in big trouble now? I think you put it well when you said final piece. We're talking about a team that was very good last year, especially down the stretch where they averaged 32 points a game over the last 10 games. They don't need him to go to the playoffs, but my sense when they made the trade was Percy Harvin is good enough, was an MVP candidate before he tore his ankle up last year. He's good enough that he changes them from an also-ran to a legitimate Super Bowl contender. So if he's healthy by Christmas, uh, ideally by Thanksgiving, which I, I'm very skeptical of that happening, but if he's healthy by Christmas and gives them a shot in the arm, maybe they're still Super Bowl contenders. But it, it's sky isn't falling, but it's a significant blow. I thought you made a good point too, Wes, uh, on Twitter when you said that 10 games, the last 10 games of the season, 10 or 11 games, they were averaging over 32 points a game. Last season, this is without Harvin. They're bringing back a lot of the the same team. It's almost the same offense, essentially. You know, as long as Sidney Rice doesn't come back from his jaunt to Switzerland with, uh, you know, no legs or something, I mean, everything should be fine. I think they're going to be still a good offense. Harvin was maybe the guy that was going to make them almost an unstoppable type offense if everybody else stayed healthy and well, I would I, I would caution the idea of oh because they I know Wes wasn't pointing this out initially but they 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 went on a torrid pace down the stretch they're just going to open that way teams have spent the off season studying Seattle I think that Seattle put a ton of time reshaping their playbook to include Harvin what I do like though when the timing's kind of cool is like for Seattle. If Harvin comes back around December when you've spent the whole season looking at a certain type of Seattle team, then they can use those plays, which they did spend the offseason practicing. You drop Harvin into the equation in December. And, you know, First of all, it's a hip injury. He may not come back all year. We don't know. But if he does, suddenly Seattle's got this like weapon that no one's seen all season that no one knows how to prepare for right when it matters most. It might work out well for them if he's healthy. It shouldn't be forgotten also that not only were they the NFL's best defense last year, but they were far and away the most the run-heaviest team in the league. They're still identified with Marshawn Lynch on offense. You know, and so we talked about he. they have a bye over that Thanksgiving week, but if he comes back December 1st, they play in order the Saints, the 49ers, the New York Giants, the Cardinals, and the Rams. That's three division games, and that's five within the conference. That right there is... Listen, if Harvin is put into that soup, that could be right when... I don't think the, the, the 49ers in Seattle are going to do this 11-2, 12-1 trip. I think that division's going to beat itself up hard. The records aren't going to be as impressive. Harvin is a difference maker. I don't want to go down the road saying it doesn't matter if he's on the team because they were so good last year. They got him for a reason. If you guys were uh, in general manager John Schneider's shoes, um, would you, given the chance reverse the trade if you could right now I said this on Twitter last night that I would still make the trade because Harvin is already locked up for another five years I mean hip hip injuries aren't anything to sneeze at but to me actually I don't think you can sneeze properly with a bad hip injury (laughs) that's a good point (laughs) true story my philosophy on on NFL and really any sport is you win with difference makers and I think Percy Harvin is one 
I don't think that a late first-round pick is that much to give up for that much. No, it isn't. I would agree with that. I think that it's a long season, and they're looking long-term with Harvin. They're not, they're not a one-year deal here. I, I think also that Harvin, and Greg put it really well at the end of a post he wrote this morning, that like Percy Harvin problems are never simple. Like He's always been a complex dude to deal with. He tweeted about his injury. It didn't come from the team. That's, that speaks to some sort of discord, I think, between the two sides. Harvin wanted to protect his body here a little bit. That's my sense. I, I don't know that for a fact. But, yeah, I would do it again because he's one of the five or six guys that when he's healthy, he puts them at a different level in what they can do with the football. Yeah, I don't think teams like the player breaking injury news like that. Uh, in another sport in baseball, A-Rod, who's facing a, a, his own issues, when he gave his own medical update about a month ago, his general manager, Brian Cashman, told him to shut the app That up. didn't go well. So, <laughs> you know, I don't think the Seahaw- Seahawks know because they saw what happened in Minnesota that they have to – treat Harvin with kid gloves on some level and you know I was reading a Peter King story yesterday where they said they were more than happy for him to head over to New York to get the second opinion because they want Harvin to feel like uh, he can trust his new team um, so you know bottom line is he's he's out of the lineup for a while and they'll, they'll probably survive um, one other player uh, that's in the news another high-paid player with an injury issue Mario Williams uh, Mark, you want to talk a little bit about Mario Williams because it, it seems to be with this guy, he signs a six-year, $96 million deal, and I'm not, I'm not so sure this is going to end well. Well, I think it's all, it, 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 he's an enigmatical guy, and I think that he's been enough of a distraction versus the production he's put forth where you do have to question the amount of money. Would, talk about would a GM do it again. The GM that did it isn't with the team anymore, right. so I don't think that – that's something Buffalo's 100% in. And yeah, I think that Marone is also another guy learning the way of the NFL, where you're going to get asked the questions that you either can't answer or don't have a complete answer to. That's not going to stop 15 guys from saying the same thing over. He got really annoyed yesterday. And, well, it's, it's funny you say that because Alex Wilk, behind the glass, a man of integrity and preparation, has that soundbite. Doug Marone speaking with the Buffalo press yesterday. Frustrated, um, honestly... When it gets to a point where I feel like I've tried to explain myself and how I handle the injuries, okay, and I've answered the questions, and you keep coming at me, all right, put yourself in my position. I don't know. If I asked you what play, call our play in our system on third down, okay, what play would you call right now? That's not my job. (laughs) Do you know the play? I really couldn't tell you because I've not seen your playbook. Right, okay. I haven't talked to the doctor. I haven't talked to the doctor or have seen the playbook. I'm done. I'm, I'm not answering any more questions about Mario Williams until the doctor gives me this. Obviously, if we send him to get evaluations, he's excused from the team. That's not a legitimate question. I don't think that's going to go down to, you know, Dennis Green. Uh, you know, we, we, we were the best damn team. What was the Dennis Green quote famously? You are who we – they are who we yeah, thought they yes, were. That, oh, yeah. It doesn't go – it's not in that category, but it, it was interesting to see him, especially this early in the game, his first year as an NFL coach, to kind of get a little tense with the media. I thought he was being honest, though. It's every, a couple of people initially, like, oh, he's melted. He's yeah, lost control. It's way like, overblown. I, yeah, I mean, I think that Marone – number one, he's a brass tax guy. He's an upstate New York dude. The guy is just like, stop – Stop throwing this nonsense was, at me. I've given you what I can give you. Let's move on. Don't you think in a lot of ways we've been conditioned as the media and as any league observer to expect all coaches to be deadpan like Bill Belichick? 
Yes. We, right. We're conditioned that yeah. that's how a coach is supposed to act now. And if we get someone colorful, if we get someone interesting, we think they're melting down. And right. that's why it stood out. We, we, I don't think anyone was expecting it from Doug Marone, of all people, because he has been rather because stoic. Because who's Doug Marone? Exactly. <laughs> but... My, my it's on my radar. Yeah, my two takeaways. Number one, uh, the part that we didn't ha- that we didn't play, as he goes, you know, I'm, I'm a straight shooter. Ask anybody that known me since I'm a kid. I'm a straight shooter. Actually, reminded me <laughs> something uh, that my dad would say. I mean, he was, you know, he was just keeping it real. I think what maybe jumps out at you. It was a little uh, Parcelsian, a little bit, uh, kind of taking on a media member like that. And if you're Bill Parcells and you do it, it's like, it's great. It's awesome. That's classic Parcells. But when Doug Marone does it, nobody really knows who this guy is. People are, are conditioned to be like, who's this, who's this guy? You know, is he all right? Is he about to, you know, break down? But, uh, you know, but back to Williams, I mean, it seems like behind the scenes, there seems to be a bit of a disconnect between Mario Williams and the Bills. You know, there were the reports that he got that wrist surgery last year without the team's knowledge. He has this crazy uh, engagement ring story that doesn't paint him or the team in a good light. Now he has a foot injury where the coach is getting testy about it. Is this a relationship built to last? I mean, I think whenever you have a coach, I always have a – I feel for the coaches that come in out of nowhere and adopt these big contract guys or head cases or a combination of the both, which I don't think Williams was necessarily earlier in his career, but in Buffalo – Something's gone on. He's definitely not been who they wanted him to be. I think if Marone could reshape the team, Williams would have nothing to do with this. Neither would his contract, of course. Right. How many NFL relationships are built to last unless they involve a quarterback? That's really true. Because most quarterback coach, most quarterbacks get their coaches fired, to be honest. Right. And Williams, you know, he's, he's another guy that went out and sort of went, went rogue on his medical stuff. Which, again, it's their bodies. I don't know. The, who knows exactly how that happened, but it seemed like the Bills didn't like losing control of that situation. And, uh, you know, the, the final topic today, I was almost a little sheepish about bringing this up because, you know, my New York Jets, it took a beating on Monday's podcast, but people are very excited in this room. Mark and Wes is actually foaming at the mouth right now uh, to talk about Rex Ryan, who during his press conference today said that the Wildcat is not dead. The Jets are going to use more Wildcat in 2013. Yes, I did not say 2008. I said 2013. Uh, Wes, who has just had such strong opinionated thoughts on the matter that he ended up landing on uh, Deadspin with a tweet uh, that I will read right now. Wildcat, the rest of the league is playing chess, and Rex is over in the corner with his Lincoln Logs. Just devastating. (laughs) Wes, go ahead. Uh, You have the floor. Destroy my team. Look, I would never question Rex Ryan's knowledge about defense. He he might be the best defensive mind in the NFL. But to me, he he kind of – this is reminiscent of Lovey Smith's stint with the Bears where the offense continues to kill the team over and over again because the brass, the coaching staff, the front office, doesn't know anything about offensive football. And they're stuck in the past. And Rex Ryan is talking about the Wildcat. It cracks me up. What's he going to do with the Wildcat? The rest of the league is running the read option in the pistol, and he's stuck on this fluke play from six years ago. I agree. I mean, I, when I read his of course you full did. comments, well, because Wes is correct, by the way, <laughs> um, it looks like what he's talking about is the league shifting towards option-type play. Because he talks about 
mobile players, mobile passers, getting out of the pocket and doing X, Y, and Z. But that didn't happen with the Wildcat at all in New York last year. And not many other teams you know, outside of Jacksonville right now are even talking about the Wildcat on any level. So it's like he's pointing towards this bigger trend. But I don't want to assume he doesn't know the difference. He must. He's a smart guy. He's a very smart guy. So I'm just he's baffled by He's the smartest guy. No, but he, I mean, you don't get to this level without being smart, but he's smart on the other side of the ball. I don't think he should speak on this topic. <laughs> well, I would just say this. Uh, did the skinny tie come back? Yes or no? You don't even know the answer to that. That speaks to a lot. Skinny, skinny tie came back. It's huge right now. The Wildcat will come back as well. Back in vogue. Wildcat. 2013. New York Jets. Didn't they say that last year? I don't listen. We got to move past last year. The best example of a wildcat in a Jets game was when the Niners rolled in with Kaepernick, did a couple right. wildcat plays, and thrashed did you, the did Jets. Did you really like, not what, know that the skinny nothing? tie was back? I didn't realize that it Wilk, left. Well, is that crazy that Sessler doesn't know that skinny ties are popular again? I don't think it's that crazy. Really? Yeah. I mean, am I, I that know. fashion forward? I didn't think so. Well, judging by I wear like the same shirt. I think like, you read one article week. about the skinny tie coming back, Ma- and now you're. Pretending that this you know, is something you know a lot about. No, I judge everything on what Adam Rank wears in the newsroom. And Rank has really, he's gone all in on the skinny tie. I stand by this. And I would love Twitter users to back me on this at the skinny tie's back. I mean, I, I like a nice skinny tie. I'm just saying. How come I Does that include the bolo? Dan, you've taken Bolo's us to a very back. dark and strange place. Th- in the last five minutes, I'm just on an island, whether it's about Rex or the skinny tie. I mean, why, am I, why have I been cast out of this podcast? Look at the. Topics you've chosen to defend. <laughs> the Jets and skinny ties. You guys are monsters. Well, I will say this, in, in all seriousness, the only the, the Wildcat maybe could have worked if, if they used Tim Tebow a little better. Tony Sperano was the worst, period. Just the worst on 17 levels. And every time Tebow won in the game, they ran it between the tackles. Uh, and, you know, how's it ever going to succeed if you don't balance out the passing with the running. If everyone knows you're going to do a run up the middle every time, of course it's not going to be successful. So we'll take Geno Smith, who never ran the option, never ran anything close to the Wildcat, and suddenly tell everyone he's going to do it. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Let me have two more things. (laughs) When you look at the Wildcat, jog your memory from the past half decade, and it all boils down to the one game where Ronnie Brown killed the (laughs) the Patriots. Yes, it does. And nothing else. What else has a Wildcat done except... Take up newspaper space. Well, and it needs to be heavily running back based. And who do the Jets have that you can count on at running back right now? You know, it's getting ugly. We're go- we've gone down a dark road on Dan's team here. No, it's okay. I mean, you're right about that. And I was, I'm a little curious, Mark. You brought it up downstairs. When Rex was talking about the Wildcat, did he think he was talking about the read option? That's what we were suggesting. It's like, it, I don't want to say that because yeah. I'm sure that's he would never even feel that was the case, but it, he was talking to a larger trend that isn't happening in the Jets, and it's not happening in the Wildcats yeah, specifically. I get that. I think you might be onto something there. Maybe he's talking more about option plays generically and, and lumping the Wildcat in with that, Right. but just the fact that he's using that word and no one else in the league is. That's the <laughs> issue. Hey, my team. Read a football magazine. Well, maybe. He, to me, he's like the... Um, Don Coryell was kept out of the Hall of Fame and never won a Super Bowl because he didn't bother to get to know the defensive side of the ball. And he's the he's the new Don Coryell, except on the, de- on the defensive side of the ball. That's interesting. Not uh, unlike his father. Wilk has glazed over. 
<laughs> behind the glass. So much Jets. There's nothing that Will hates more than talking about the Jets. We have talked about them Monday and now Wednesday. So we w- we'll move on. Wilk, you literally look uh, um, despondent. <laughs> you almost look ashen. The Jets just make me make me so crazy because I don't. They're like the Cowboys. Yeah, he had the this, same this look on his face. This team is like seven and nine at the at best every year. Why are we talking about them like they're one of the premier teams? You're in the preaching league? to yeah. the choir, it's and fair. you have the same look on your face as you did after the Vegemite incident. I do. Yeah, you know what's similar taste in my mouth too. And you know, <laughs> Wilk is wearing a Chicago Bears polo. That's a team that's flying under the radar. Wilk, do you have any thoughts about the Bears? I don't. And nobody's talking about the Bears. <sighs> Mark Tressman keeps bringing up doing read option and things like that with Jay Cutler, and I will defend Jay Cutler's mobility to an extent, but that still scares me. Especially, Can you imagine because, how many defensive players are just ready yeah, to light up Jay we, Cutler? We've seen <laughs> we've seen how poorly the Bears do when Jay Cutler is not in that lineup. Yeah, but Tressman's not about to engage the team on something idiotic for 16 straight games. He's a good coach. I, I, I hope that you're right. I hope that you're right. I'm cautiously optimistic. Tressman kind of gives me the creeps a little bit. Guys, I got to go. I got to go home. You got to go? I got to go home. Why? It's time for me to go home. (laughs) He doesn't like talking about the Bears is the issue. Oh, I see. That's the issue. All right. Well, Mark's got to go. He's got to get home to his young family uh, who love him. Uh, We will be back Friday. I think it will be Mark and I solo. It will be like a a throwback to the old debate club days. Uh, We will talk with Greg Rosenthal from Canton. So get excited about that. Uh, Mark's going to ask some hard-hitting questions for our boss, I hear. Well, I was there last year. I know the territory, and I want to make sure that Greg's covering all the bases. I'm sure he is. Good, and we hopefully we're going to try to have another guest too, but we won't know for another day or so. So uh, check back in Friday. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, and uh, thank you for listening. Until then. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.